Hi, and welcome to the Fit Chick Podcast, where it is our mission to change the lives of 1 million females on how to live a healthy, active, and fulfilled life. For tons of free articles, videos, and more, be sure to head over to fitchicks.com.au. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello and welcome to another fantastic, fantabulous, amazing, spectacular episode uh, of the Fit Chick Podcast. I'm your host today, Brett Campbell, and I am extremely excited today. I have a very special guest who will be joining me. Um, her name is JJ Virgin, and JJ Virgin uh, helps clients lose weight fast by breaking free from food intolerances and helps crush their sugar cravings. She's the author of the New York Times bestsellers, The Virgin Diet and The Virgin Diet Cookbook, and of course, her latest and newest uh, book, The Sugar Impact Diet. Uh, JJ is also a frequent blogger at Huffington Post, Mind Body Green, and other outlets, as well as a popular guest on TV, radio, and in the magazines, and now the Fit Check Podcast. And if you want to learn more about JJ, you can visit www.jjvirgin.com. And if you if you can't remember that, I'm going to put all the details in the show notes anyway, so you can go check it all out. So JJ, welcome to the show. I just like hearing you say my name. JJ. <laughs> no, the whole thing, how you say virgin. The whole thing. It just virgin. it sounds so much better when you say it. Oh, okay. So we're already on to the accents. It's quite yeah. interesting. You yeah, know, we love we, the accent. Yes, love it. We've got a mutual friend, um, Jeff Moore, and we co-host another podcast together, and we're forever um, paying it on each other with different words and how we pronounce it. And <laughs> so, <laughs> so if you virgin, like what a, yeah, bur- I don't know. I can't, I can't obviously can't say it the way you say it. So yeah, well, it, it just comes naturally. Believe it or not, um, <laughs> what I'll what I'll do is I'll I'll send you a loop. Um, I'll just say the word JJ Virgin, and and you can uh, you can loop it. <laughs> As much as you like, <laughs> but um, JJ, now that that was a really brief bio um, about yourself there, because I know you're so much more than what I just mentioned there. So for our listeners, give us the quick snapshot on who is JJ Virgin and what does she really do? Oh my goodness, I am um, first and foremost a mom. I have two teenage boys, seventeen and eighteen. Two years ago, when the Virgin Diet was publishing, my eighteen-year-old was crossing the street at dusk and was the victim of a hit and run. And um, I published the New York Times bestseller Virgin Diet out of the ICU because I'm the sole financial support of my family. While sneaking in all these alternative treatments that um, Dr. Daniel Amen credits for like bringing them back. So, um, and we've been featured on Sanjay Gupta and the doctors and, and Mercola for that. So I'm pretty, that's like one of my, um, probably my most significant thing. And one of my crusades going forward is helping people with brain injuries. Um, and I'm a mentor. That's the other thing I love. I work with a lot of health experts, really helping them getting their message out to the world because I believe, you know, our single biggest crisis out there is our healthcare crisis. And really it's because of sugar <laughs> more than anything else but it's also because of misinformation and so i'm really working with just some of those brilliant people who helping them get their message out and i love that love 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 that and and then i say the other part is um you know i really love taking complicated stuff or things that we make complicated and i'm not sure why and simplifying them and putting them into easy actionable um programs so that you can do them have success and it really just breaks my heart when I see people struggling so much and trying so hard 
and they're just following the wrong set of rules. They have the wrong information. So those are really like my three three big areas. And then I will tell you, I absolutely walk my talk. I you know work out. I sleep well. <laughs> I eat correctly. I have a little bulletproof coffee habit. You know, <laughs> and but you know, I I absolutely follow it and practice what I preach. So I'm always my first my first own uh, lab rat on anything that I do. Excellent. And I, something that you said there that that really resonated with me was was the whole thing around misinformation. Um, now I'm sure we could talk for days on this and still have uh, many topics to cover, but. Um, I guess the reason why you've created the Sugar Impact Diet is all built from the whole thing of misinformation. So let's talk about the Sugar Impact Diet for a moment and just go, why did you write this book? And who did you so, write it for? I've always been fascinated by weight loss resistance. I actually went off to college as a theater major and started paying my way through college both cooking and doing personal training. <laughs> and by the time I graduated and ended up as an English major, but I graduated and started in grad school in exercise science. And as I was doing all this personal training, we were being taught that, you know, to lose weight, you had to eat less and exercise more. And I'm sure it's still out there. And I'm like going, gosh, I mean, it's so obvious it doesn't work. And it became very obvious very quickly that it didn't work. And it also became very obvious very quickly that if I made people worse, they probably weren't going to continue to pay me, right? Mm. So, you know, it's all about results. So I quickly went back into the library at UCLA and started doing the research. And because the answer is always in the biochemistry. It's always in the science and the hormones, right? The endocrinology, the biochem. I went, wow, this whole long, long, slow distance, fat-free, low-fat type of stuff we're promoting is stupid. It doesn't work. It makes you worse. And so that's where I got fascinated by all of this. And I started looking at all the things that could get in the way of you being able to lose weight and actually make you gain weight, weight loss resistance. I worked with the Dr. Phil show on that. I started teaching doctors around the country. Um, a seminar called Overcoming Weight Loss Resistance. And part of that was was food intolerance. And that's where my first book came out of, Food Intolerance, The Virgin Diet. But what happened when I wrote The Virgin Diet is the number one question, I had to put sugar in that, even though that's not something you have intolerance to per se, like you do gluten, dairy, soy, corn, eggs, peanuts. But I had to put it in, like, how can you not say pull out sugar? Duh. But it became the most confusing part of the book. I mean, people were like, they either were controlled by sugar, they couldn't get past their cravings, they couldn't stop, or they were completely confused. They're like, but but it's natural, but it's got no calories, but it's, but it's, but it's, and I'm like kind of going, it doesn't matter. Your body doesn't know the difference between fruit juice, concentrate, agave syrup, or, you know, or an apple. So, you know, it just people didn't understand. So that's when I realized I really needed to tackle the subject. And as I got into the subject, I went, you know what? This is the single biggest thing, taking down our health, our economy, our relationships, everything worldwide. This is it. So if we could just change this one thing, and we've been looking at it all wrong, which is what's created the problem, we will change the world. So that's my mission. Mm, fantastic. And you know, you talk about food intolerances, and it's really something that, that we like to um, you know, when anyone's coming to you and they go, oh, look, I'm, I'm eating well and I'm exercising well and, you know, I'm just, I've just hit that plateau and, you know, all it can take sometimes is a few changes here and there in someone's diet and swapping foods, etc. that can make all the difference. So let's talk about food intolerances for a minute because it's not just about the fat loss, really, is it, when it comes to food intolerances. There's so much more to it. 
Oh my gosh, that's just, so I always lead out with the easy thing. You know, I, I like to sell what's easy and people want to lose weight. But in reality, and I did a public television show on this, I didn't even stress the weight loss. I stressed the, you know, the whole feel better fast because if you look at autoimmune disease, which is the number one disease worldwide, pain and inflammation, energy, um, skin problems, gas and bloating, focus, you know, it's like the list goes on of all these things that can be attributed to food intolerances. And honestly, 90% of the people, it is rare when I put someone on that program that they don't notice a significant difference. And I truly believe those people who don't recognize, notice a significant difference just didn't follow the program. They didn't actually get everything out. That's my take on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, it's it's been mind-blowing to see that. And what was most cool about that program was I truly believed before I wrote that book that in order to make this work well, you had to do testing. And honestly, a couple years of doing this, I went, well, it's always the same foods. What if I just have people test themselves? What if it's your body's your own best, you know, chemistry lab for checking this? Because there really is no single test to identify all the different ways your body can be intolerant to a food anyway. And so that's what I've proven out with now over a million people that you really can just use your body as your own chemistry lab and that these things tend to be the most common food intolerances and the crappiest foods for you anyway, to be honest. I mean, corn's a crappy food. It's ridiculous, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like popcorn for weight loss is just one of the most stupid (laughs) things I've ever heard. It's like it makes no sense. Let's take a high starch food that starts turning into sugar the minute you chew and use it as a weight loss food. Let's take the thing you feed cows and pigs to fatten them up and use it as a weight loss food. Like how nonsensical is that? That's ridiculous. And it's the the problem is it's in most foods out there, which, you know, is unfortunate. So yeah, let's let's put put it into perspective for the person out there listening, thinking that sugar is the un, is the thing that you see in a sugar bowl, right? So <laughs> <laughs> there, there's there's that sort of myth around that that's what sugar is, and you just need to remove that. So if you're not putting any sugar on your cereal, um, which that's another topic in itself, um, or adding sugar to your coffee, you're going to be okay. Let's talk about those hidden sugars that people are just not aware of, and when they become aware of it, I just want to put a premise on this: what you're about to hear is once you hear this, it's now your responsibility to make the change. All right. So yes. yes, you you have been blinded by marketing and you have been blinded by what other people have said, but what you're about to hear. So if you're not prepared to um if you're not prepared to take <laughs> take action on this, <laughs> stop listening to this right now, stop wasting your time, but if you are prepared to change and increase your quality of life, listen up because Jojo's about to uh share some secrets. Blow it out. And you're about to share thing. some secrets. So <laughs> if you suffer at all from fatigue, or your energy is just crazy. It's great, and then it crashes. Or you've got sugar or carb cravings. Or your appetite seems bigger than it is. Or your mood and focus isn't where you want it to be. Or you're gassy and bloated. Or you can't lose weight. Or you especially have belly fat. If any of those things are an issue at all, I am guessing that sugar is sneaking into your diet. And you know what's so interesting, Brett, is it was sneaking into my diet, and this is what I do for a living. Right. So, you know, if it's sneaking into my diet, and I've heard this from a number of health coaches that did the program early on as part of our beta test, then like what's the average person being duped by misinformation going to see? If you look at what's going on out there, it's so confusing. They're like, well, the, we shouldn't have any more than six teaspoons of sugar a day. We shouldn't have any more than six added teaspoons of sugar a day. I'm like, which is it? Teaspoons or added? Because they're totally different. Mm. If you, if you look at the stats, we're eating less 
table sugar than ever, but we're eating more sugar overall than ever before. In the United States, it's 22 teaspoons of sugar that we're eating on average a day, 152 pounds of sugar a year, and we're almost at 35%. It's 34.9% obesity now. And over the last 20 years, as sugar consumption has gone from 26 pounds a year to 152, our obesity has gone from 10% to 35%. So like you do that one. I'm like, it's so obvious. What's (laughs) causing that? I don't know. But what happened is we became very fat phobic. And unfortunately, um, there was a war between two guys trying to figure out what was really causing heart disease. This brilliant guy from Britain called uh, named John Yudkin, who was right. He said it was the fat and this, uh, I'm sorry, he said it was the sugar. And this other guy from Minnesota who said it was the fat and Ansel Keys and Ansel Keys discredited Yudkin. And this was about 30 years ago. All of a sudden we started pulling the fat out of food and we pulled the fat out. We put the sugar in and, created the worst chemistry experiment that somehow has gone now all over the place. Because if you look at processed foods, like 80% of the processed food now has added sugar. And that's before the natural sugars and the carbohydrates. Because remember, all carbohydrates except for fiber are going to start turning into sugar. It's just how quickly that happens. Ultimately, you want your body to be able to make its own sugar from the food you eat. You don't want to mainline it or make it really easy for it to do so. So... Our big challenge is if you look at the foods that we're eating, and a lot of these are couched as healthy foods, sugar, they either have a lot of natural sugars or they've got added sugars. And we can lie on the labels by putting these added sugars in but doing it from fruit juice concentrate or fruit purees and we can put no sugar added. So you'll see like these no sugar added jams. Well, jam itself is all sugar. And then they'll put apple juice concentrate just to make it worse. And Apple juice concentrates actually one of the worst things you could possibly touch because apples are the highest fructose fruit. When I was looking at sugar in general, and, and, and I'll just give you a throw more, a couple more of these out, and then I'll share what's worse, bad about the framework. Cocktail sauce, barbecue sauce, marinara sauce. I'm not sure what drinks you have over there, but we have these vitamin waters, 31 grams of sugar in them. It's mm. like, it's a vitamin water with 31 grams of sugar. We have, we have some green drinks that actually have 56 grams of sugar and more sugar than a Coke. You know, look at the average marinara sauce, 10 grams of sugar per half cup. The average Two tablespoons of cocktail sauce has more sugar than an Oreo cookie. The average muffin, if you take the frosting off a cupcake, you've got more sugar in the muffin than you did in the cupcake. The These yogurts, these fruit on the bottom yogurts, and they say no sugar added and they're fruit juice sweetened, have 26 grams of sugar in them. So you look at this and you're getting what you should have supposedly in a day of sugars in one yogurt. Mm. That someone ate because they thought, well, this is a healthy, this is a good snack. And snacking, of course, is a whole nother stupid issue. But this will be a great thing that I should have here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'll have this snack of this 26 grams of sugar. And I've likened it to an ice cream cone. If there's 16 grams of sugar in an ice cream um, scoop, you would never sit down and have a scoop and a half of ice cream and think you're doing a healthy thing for yourself. Yet you do that in that you know, that yogurt that you had or the cereal with skim milk and the sliced fruit and the juice that you had for breakfast, equivalent to four ice cream cones worth of sugar impact. It's crazy, mm. right? And the sad part is you're doing all these things thinking you're doing a great thing or you're choosing the whole wheat bread, not realizing that whole wheat bread, two slices of that will raise your blood sugar more than six teaspoons of sugar. Or you're using the skim milk, which is basically milk that's pulled all the fat out 
and all you're left with is sugar and it's going to raise your insulin more than sugar is. So there's so much more to this and it can get really confusing. But in reality, if you just we start to reframe foods differently and look at the impact that they have, the sugar impact, and lower that, it's miraculous what happens quickly. Mm. And I, I know you use a framework based on the sugar impact. So um, let's talk about that um, in regards to and, and throw some of the foods out there that people may be thinking are bad for them but possibly are good and some that they may be thinking you know, are, are good for them, just like you mentioned yogurt there. What are some other ones that that um, we, we can throw out to the audience. So here's the, the big issue where we've really run into trouble is we have this framework for looking at sugar right now, the glycemic index, which still prevails. It's just like the whole calories in, calories out prevails. And in order to lose weight, you have to eat less, exercise more. This, these things that don't work are still out there. And glycemic index has some major problems with it. The first one being... It makes carrots look like potatoes because it takes a 50-gram dose of a carbohydrate and measures your blood sugar response to it. Well, number one, we don't eat foods in isolation. And number two, we don't eat 50 grams of carrots. <laughs> we eat 50 <laughs> grams of potato. So you got to take the amount of a food into perspective and that way you'll realize, hey, it's okay to have carrots because you're not going to sit down. It's not okay to have carrot juice. That's the difference. But also – where we've run into big trouble and where we started to think that agave was a great health food or fruit juice concentrate was that the glycemic index looks at blood sugar rise. It doesn't look at fructose because fructose, the most damaging sugar of them all, and, and everything you eat that's going to be broken down into sugar is going to either broke, break down to glucose or fructose. Those are the two fates. And ideally, fructose is only metabolized by the liver, and ideally, it would get converted to glucose and stored as energy as glycogen. But the liver is not very big. So if you're overloading on fructose, which the average person should probably have no more than 25 grams a day, and an apple for perspective has 11 grams, if you're overloading on fructose, your body gets really good at transporting it straight to the liver where it's stored as fat, which is why we now have insulin resistance, hypertension, fatty liver in children. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really problematic. But the other bad thing is it doesn't raise blood sugar, so it also doesn't trigger any of the satiety signals, doesn't trigger insulin, leptin, ghrelin. So you're making fat and you're still hungry. So you look at it and you go, okay, I have – we got to take glycemic load, how much of something you're eating that's rising your blood sugar. We got to take fructose because it's not going to raise your blood sugar. We got to look at that. And we need to contrast that with things that are going to slow, slow down the blood sugar response and minimize the sugar impact. And that's fiber and nutrient density. So when I looked at this, I went, all right, I'm going to put those things together and I'm going to classify, look at seven different types of sugars, grains, roots, fruits, no fat and low fat dairy and diet foods, drinks, dressings, and sweeteners. And in each category, I made high, medium, and low sugar impact choices. So you could go through and you could go, all right, you know, for grains, instead of having, say, whole, you know, some whole grains, some couscous, I'm going to have some quinoa because couscous is is gluten, which creates problems with blood sugar, and quinoa is actually a seed. In a root, instead of having a white potato, I'm in a, or, or even a sweet potato, which is medium sugar impact, I'm going to have pumpkin or kabocha squash, which is amazing low sugar impact, no, no fructose. 
in the fruits, instead of, say, you know, dried fruit or juice or something else where we basically unwrap the fructose and turn it loose, I'm going to have berries. <laughs> you know? And um, during – I'll talk about the cycles later because there's one point where I take fructose down to zero. And dairy, I mean coconut milk, switch it out for skim milk, very easy. Um, in drinks, I mean, biggest place, one third of the sugar that we're getting in our diet comes from drinks. And I think more than ever, because now we're not doing soda, now we're doing juice and especially these green drinks. Mm. And if your green drink has anything that's not green and not a vegetable in it, it's not a green drink. <laughs> it's a cocktail, you know, it's a juice cocktail because there's green drink out here in the States that's got Apple juice puree, mango puree, pineapple. It's got five servings of fruit in in 16 ounces and 56 grams of sugar. That's not a green drink. That's a fruit juice smoothie with some greens in it Mm -hmm. so that it doesn't taste green, right? So, you know, um, drinks are a big place to watch for. And then dressings, all of these fat-free dressings, garbage. Balsamic vinegar is syrup. Change it out for red wine vinegar. Don't eat fat-free dressings. It's ridiculous. They pull the fat out. They put the sugar in. Just garbage. And then, of course, sweeteners. And anyone listening, if you're still doing agave and you've been duped into thinking this is good for you, go, please. And don't I, – I, I tell people one of the first things is to clean out your kitchen unless there's no one you can give this to because this will damage anyone's health. Agave is one of the biggest jokes out there as a sweetener. And it's gotten such a good, you know, a halo effect. I still th- see things sweetened with agave or crystalline fructose or fructose. It's just horrible. It's the worst thing that you could do. So get that gone. You can use monk fruit sweetener. You can use stevia, xylitol, erythritol, chicory, inulin, cinnamon, brown, um, cinnamon and vanilla. I mean, there's there's stuff out there, but don't be fooled. You know, coconut sugar is still sugar. I give it medium sugar impact. Natural brown sugar in the raw is still sugar. You know, it's like sugar, sugar, sugar. And whether it's processed or natural, it's still going to do the same thing. So don't be duped thinking that it's okay for you. Excellent. Uh, Words of wisdom right there. I must say it's it's great to to be able to um, hear someone else discuss this and you know, I totally agree with what you've just uh, laid out there. And I suggest anyone listening to this, other than obviously going out and uh, getting your hands on um, JJ's The Sugar Impact Diet, which we'll put um, a link where you can go and uh, get that directly um, in the show notes. But um, I really suggest you rewind what JJ just said there for the last five minutes where she just unraveled a whole heap of different... Um, I guess, myths out in the industry that, you know, can totally transform the way of your life. And something that you did say, JJ, that touched me there was you used the word um, impacting our children. And, you know, I mean, that's that's another episode in itself, but it really does come back to the listener needing to take, you know, advantage of you know, learning these things because not only is it having an impact on your own life, you're actually going to be passing these bad traits down to your own children. And this this will probably what probably won't shock you because it's probably quite the norm. But back when I was a child, how, how's this for an after school snack, JJ? So I'd get home, I'd be hungry as because I'd have a um, you know, white bread sandwich at lunch, and um, I'd be crashing mm-hmm. crashing with bologna. <laughs> I had bologna sandwich at lunch, <laughs> and and I'd be crashing. <laughs> I'd be crashing by three o'clock, hungry, and I couldn't wait till dinner. So I'd have another. I'd get out the white bread, and I'd get out our tub of margarine. Um, oh, oh <laughs> I would, boy! I would then get our sugar container out, 
and I would sprinkle sugar and have a sugar sandwich. Now, those three foods there that I just described, right, white bread, mar- margarine, and sh- not table sugar, you know, that, that, that is a concoction for disaster. But this is the reality is my mother originally thought like white she didn't know i was putting sugar on it though she she um didn't know that i'd get in trouble if that was the case because she always talked about holes in your teeth but um you know my mother's understanding back in the day was that white bread was healthy you know it was marketed in a fashion that it was you know make these sandwiches for your children it's cost effective and you know we come up from a low socioeconomic family you know it was just my mother and my sister and me and you know she was doing the best that she can um and I'm sure there were books around at that time, but now with the power of the internet and you know um, being able to have access to this type of information at your fingertips, it's um, you know I really recommend everyone go out there and start educating themselves, if not for themselves, for their families. So, JJ, um, I want to ask you about, and I've heard you talk about this before, and I think the way that you um, you know your answer to it was fantastic, and it's about fruit detoxes. So. Yeah, there's a craze at the moment where everyone's going on a fruit detox because it's healthy. Let's let's put that out we, on the table. Can we bash that one? Because that one <laughs> is making me so angry. First off, let's talk about a detox in general. Every day we're hit with toxins, every single day. So you need to detox every single day. There's there's every day your body should work well to detox, which means you should be sweating, you should be exfoliating, you should be drinking a lot of water, you should be having a lot of greens, you should purify your air and water, minimize your exposure, good liver support, and amino acids. Because guess what? If you do not have amino acids, essential amino acids, you can't get the 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 toxins out of your body. So these cleanses that take you off of all amino acids and they say, you know, no, you're not going to get all your essential amino acids from a fruit or vegetable. Sorry. They're just going to make you more toxic. But this idea, because there's a smoothie cleanse out there right now and someone actually bought it, thought it was me. I'm like, that is not me. Um, that it's funny because it's called the green smoothie clean and, and I actually know this girl, but I'm so frustrated with it. I'm just, I just can't stand it. It's called a green smoothie cleanse yet it's got six servings of fruit in it a day and then tells you you can snack on more fruit. And I'm looking at this and it's basically tons of fruit, a little bit of vegetable. It's a cleanse and it's, that is the worst possible thing you could do. No one, once you get through a su- this, this sugar impact diet, you'll have one or maybe two pieces of fruit a day. If you're insulin resistant or diabetic, maybe one fruit a day. It, fruit is not free food. I don't know where we've gotten this idea of fruit is f- not, is free food. You know, we, um, if you look at this, take us back a thousand years when we actually didn't have, um, you know, and we could even go further than that when we didn't have fire, but like, let's say we didn't have, we didn't have electricity here we were and we had candlelight. We actually went to bed at a reasonable hour. And during the winter we slept longer because the days were shorter. And during the summer we slept less because the days were longer. We're more insulin sensitive during the summer. We can store fat better. We had access to fruit. You would gorge on fruit during the summer, store more fat because of the fructose levels in it so that you could survive the winter, which we don't have going on now. (laughs) <laughs> right? So, you know, that's where I think this is why I think we have the stuff. You look at when we have it and when we don't. 
But if you eat too much fruit, you will be fat and you will be insulin resistant. You might become diabetic. You'll have elevated triglycerides, elevated LDL. It is clear case. I don't know. In the U.S., we have a recommendation to eat five servings of fruits and vegetables a day. It makes me crazy. It's like a carrot somehow equals um, a banana or kale equals apple juice because they also count in dried fruit and juice. So when you're eating a piece of lower sugar impact fruit like raspberries, which is very different than, say, um, pineapple, mango, apples, any of those that are higher glycemic load and higher fructose, especially apples and pears are the highest fructose fruits there are, um, you're going to do better off because you've got the fiber and the nutrient density. But it's not a free-for-all. And for some reason, I especially see people snacking on fruit all throughout the day which is the worst thing you could do because every time you eat, you raise blood sugar. And if you raise blood sugar, you raise insulin because you, your body needs to get the blood sugar back down again because it's going to make your blood sticky and it's toxic. And when you eat all the time, your insulin never has time to come back down. So it's chronically elevated, which creates inflammation, creates insulin resistance, but also makes it impossible for you to burn off stored body fat. So you're relying on sugar. So you turn your body into being a sugar burner. So now you're dependent on eating sugar every couple of hours. Mm. But you think you're doing okay because you're eating fruit. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, those sugar, those, those fruit detoxes, which by the way, the more fructose you eat, the better your body gets at making that fructose go straight to the liver. It raises something called GLUT5 transport system. So the more fructose you eat, the better you get at sending it straight to the liver where you're storing fat. You know, So those fruit detoxes, you do that long enough, you will end up with fatty liver. Mm-hmm. You're, you're hurting the very organ that the detox is supposed to be supporting, right? Yeah, that's right. And I, you know, and I mean, both of us being, being in the business world as well and, and you know, understanding marketing and, and those type of things, it, it really does come back to... Um, you know the, the the marketing world out there. There's there's a lot of people who um, manipulate the ability to be able to sell products and services. And I guess I've got a question for you, JJ, before we wrap this up here, because I know you're very busy at the moment. Um, if you were given the power, like let's say you were president for one day and you could change any law um, around you know the the, the health and um, wellness industry, what would your your uh, first amendment be that you put in? You know, what is most frustrating is what pharmaceutical companies are allowed to do versus what supplement companies are allowed to do. The fact that you can't show studies and how they, you can't, you can't show what these things actually do. (laughs) You know, (laughs) you have to be so careful about a study or a claim or anything. And that's, I'd say the most frustrating thing is not being able to get that information out there at the level that you really want to get it out there. So that would be the big thing. And also making sure that, um, you know, health insurance. I mean, the first, the first thing that we should do in helping people get healthy is change their diet. Mm. So obviously from a health insurance and health wellness standpoint, that should be covered by insurance. That should be all part of it. But the challenge we have in the States is that it's all governed by these organizations whose dietary recommendations, if you followed them, would make you worse, not better. Mm. So it's such a big mess. And I got to tell you what I love the most is that the internet's the great equalizer and people are smart. And so Ultimately, there's so much research now supporting the things that we're saying, right? That, and people also know that what they've been doing doesn't work. 
So they, they'll look differently when they go in the store, even if something says healthy whole grain goodness or they, the, the product has a distraction on it. Like you'll see, there was one, one person just told me about a product that had artificial, um, artificial sweeteners in it. But what it said on the, on the front of it was no artificial flavorings. <laughs> so when you read that, you thought, oh, there's nothing artificial. But what they really meant was, you know, they, it was a distraction. So there's so many words like all natural um, is a great one. Natural is such a distraction word. It's meaningless. You know, I mean, arsenic's natural. Mercury's natural. Natural doesn't mean healthy or, you know, whole grain goodness, which is so silly because it's just like milk does a body good. Those are statements that I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, what are you talking about? You know, so... So I just, I guess what I would love to see, I, I'm not into, um, I, I think whenever you get a government involved, you start to get a lot of problems, but I wish we just had more freedom of speech applied to what we're doing, right? Yeah, would be better. 100%. Couldn't agree with you more. And look, JJ, thank you so much for uh, stopping by today. I mean, I've got a you know, couple of pages here of, of questions and we'd be talking all day. But um, what I suggest our listeners do is... Um, yeah, head over to um, the FitCheck uh, blog. We're going to put all the details up on how you can contact J- or how you can pick up JJ's. I was about to say how people can personally contact you. Um, <laughs> we, don't, we don't want thousands of people flooding flooding your email inbox. Um, but what what I do, and you know, all the listeners out there who have been following us for some time, you'll know that we do not, um, you know, recommend people lightly. And um, you know, JJ is certainly someone that definitely fits the bill. Um, and fits the description of what we want to help promote and get her message out there to to the larger um, society. So, um, JJ, look, thank you so much for um, for jumping on board here today. Um, and look, I'll give you the final word. What um, what sort of words of wisdom do you have for our listeners out there who are struggling with this sugar addiction? Here it is. You can break this sugar addiction. When I did this, I brought seven hundred people through the program, and I believe that you could break an addiction and retrain your sweet tooth, get rid of it in 14 days or less. In reality, it it was about seven days. This is the single most powerful thing that we can do for ourselves, for our kids, for future generations, you know, for the world's health, the world's economy, everything. But it starts with you and it's really easier than you think it is. It's just a matter of just lowering that sugar impact. We don't do it overnight. We do it over time because going cold turkey is just silly and will make you fail. So you can do this. It will start with you and you'll be a ripple effect of change. Fantastic. And and like I said, pick up the copy of the Sugar Impact Diet where JJ outlines in detail exactly how you can take on the 14-day uh, challenge there. And look, highly recommend you do it. Um, only if you care about your life, of course. You know, <laughs> you care about, you care, <laughs> only if you care about living longer. You know, I mean, for me, I certainly am. So I'm going to, uh, I'm looking forward to my copy arriving so I can uh, delve deep into it as well. Always great to continually learn. And uh, JJ, thank you so much for coming on board Um, and entertaining our listeners for today. Thank you. Thank you. Well, there we have it, another fantastic episode there, and I um, just can't thank JJ enough for sharing all that information with us today. Uh, If you wanted to go ahead and get a copy of JJ's book, The Sugar Impact Diet, head over to fiitchicks.com.au forward slash 017. That's fiitchicks.com.au. Dot com.au forward slash zero one seven.